Hello and welcome into the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and um, a lot happened last week. A whole lot happened last week. A whole lot's happened in the past couple days. But um, first things first, if if you couldn't tell by the, the song that's, that's currently still playing in the background, college football is back! And it is back for real. Like... I didn't realize how awful college football was in 2020 until I watched college football in 2021. Like, I was like, oh, this this isn't that bad, but it was... No, nah, it was... Uh, I, I remember last year, I was like, oh, this isn't that bad. There's, there's some fans there. This isn't terrible. But then I remembered I didn't watch a single Big Ten game last year because the stadiums were empty and they sucked. Heck, most of the games that took place in Virginia last year, which, um, for those unaware, is the home state of my team, and they played road games in Virginia last year. I think it was only one, but still, they played a road game in Virginia last year. So seven of their 12 regular season games were in basically empty stadiums. Like, a thousand people at Williams Stadium is a lot louder than a thousand people at Lane Stadium, but still, like, it was not the same. And then, like, I was like, oh, how different could it be? And then the videos on Friday started to hit my t- my Twitter timeline of Enter Sandman at Virginia Tech. Oh, God. If you have not seen those video that video yet, um, go track it down. It's on Twitter. A few, like, Lane Stadium holds 75,000 people, I believe. I think it might actually be bigger than that. How? Lane Stadium in Blacksburg holds, where's the capacity? 66,223 people is the listed capacity of Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia. There were more than 66,223 people there. Because you can... That's the listed number of seats. But you can still... You can still get more people in there. There were probably 70,000 people in that building on Friday night. And um, they were very loud when Enter Sandman started playing. Uh, I I have been there when it happens. As an opposing fan... And it is truly terrifying. I mean, we I knew we were going to lose. That's the thing. Like, Liberty was still FCS at the time. We didn't know who our starting quarterback was. Our O-line was, like, entirely freshman. It was, uh... But even, like, when you're a good team, like... UNC were the favorites, not by much, and they were ranked. But... Once Enter Sandman started playing, it did not matter. And... And Sam Howell did not play very well in that game. He had a he had a bad game. He had a very bad game, actually. Like, let's just uh Yeah, um <laughs> Oh, that's not good. Uh one touchdown, three interceptions. Uh he was sacked six times. Uh 17 of 32, so that's just over 50% passing. Um he, he did rush for 35 yards, but... And he threw for 208, so that's not... Against Virginia Tech's defense, which 
has slipped in recent years, especially ever since Bud Foster retired. But really, it went downhill when Beamer retired, and then once Foster retired, it it got so much worse. But 13, 13 carries for 35 rush yards, 17 of 32, 208 through the air, one touchdown pass and three interceptions and six sacks. That was not a good game for Sam Howe. He looked very bad all night. Like, he looked... He looked very bad. It was not a good game for North Carolina. And uh, Virginia Tech desperately needed that win. Like, for the sake of, of Justin Fuente's job, Virginia Tech needed that win. As far as I'm concerned, he's still on the hot seat. Like, he's still absolutely on the hot seat. But Virginia Tech needed that win, and that's that's a pretty big deal. Like, you... You beat a top 10 team that was favored by what? I think it was like a full touchdown. Yeah, the the closing odds were UNC minus five and a half. So it wasn't a full touchdown, but it was basically, that that's basically a touchdown difference. Because five and a half, the, the most, the closest you could score to that in an actual football game is six. So that is, that is a touchdown, that is a touchdown difference. And they won by seven. So, props to you, Virginia Tech. I don't know if they can keep it up. Let's just uh, let's just take a look at the the rest of their schedule. Um, they have Middle Tennessee this week. They should probably win that. Uh, West Virginia just lost to Maryland, so uh, they will win that. It's in it's in Morgantown, but meh. Uh, Richmond at home, and then they get into like real ACC play. Uh, Notre Dame week six, they'll probably lose that. They'll destroy Pitt. They'll destroy Cuse. They'll probably beat Georgia Tech. Night game at Boston College. It's going to be freaking cold because that's in February, but they'll probably win. Uh, at home against Duke in November, they can absolutely win that. At Miami, and then, of course, the Commonwealth Cup in Charlottesville to wrap things up right at the end of November. So that's their entire schedule. Um, They can win most of these games. I think they'll lose to Notre Dame. Like they have home field, but Notre Dame's pretty good. They'll, they'll lose to Notre Dame. They'll, and they'll, hmm. Honestly, because it all depends on how it all depends on how good Virginia ends up being. Because they, okay, their first game tells me absolutely nothing. Congratulations, you beat the crap out of William and Mary. That that tells me literally nothing. I don't entirely trust the ACC this year because Clemson is down, and UNC just lost a game they probably should have won. So I don't know how, and Miami got their brains beat in by Bama. So I don't know. I don't really know what to think of the ACC just yet, but it's a, it's a good win for tech nonetheless. And that absolutely insane crowd at Lane stadium deserved to go home happy. After what the team went through last year without anyone in the building to back them up, really like they were limited to a thousand people. That is 
that's like 0.6% of of the full capacity of Lane Stadium. Like that's that's just sad. Uh they were um they were they were over full capacity at at this game. Let's see if does does the score esports actually the score esports. Does the score app actually have capacity have attendance listed? Attendance 65,632. So they were somehow not full. Uh you could have fooled me. <laughs> you um you absolutely could have fooled me. That that's less than a thousand empty seats in the place, which in a stadium that big is not gonna be much, but you could have fooled me. That place looked pretty darn full. And and speaking of places that were pretty darn full, um the Big Ten showed out this weekend after a bad, bad year for them last year, because well, let's just run down everything from the Big Ten last year. Um they chickened out and canceled the season in like early August. Uh, reversed that decision about a month later and an idiot writer for the USA Today called it the darkest day in the history of the Big Ten, a league where multiple member institutions have covered up decades of sexual assault. Like, God, I still hate that article. Uh, decided no fans in in any of these games, no uh, local regulations be damned, and uh, most Big Ten teams were not very good last year. <laughs> like at all. So um, last year was not a good year for the Big Ten. And then their first game of the season this year, they decided, oh yeah, we're going to do like a bunch of conference games this week. The ACC decided the same thing. But it's like, oh yeah, we're going to have a bunch of conference games this week. And you had like the most Big Ten, Big Ten game ever played between Wisconsin and Penn State where just no one could score for the longest time and the weather absolutely sucked. Actually, the weather wasn't that... I mean, that's just personal preference. Like, I despise spitting rain. I despise being out in spitting rain. It is one of my least favorite weather conditions just because it's incredibly annoying. Like, if it's pouring down rain, you're not going to spend that much time outside. If it's, like, spitting, you can still go outside, but you're going to be really freaking annoyed. Like, like that type of weather. That's exactly what was going on for most of the first chunk of this game. Like, it was... This was peak Big Ten football. Nobody scored for the entire first half. Hey, this is this is Big Ten football at its finest. Sixteen to ten. Like that that is peak Big Ten football. But you also had, for the first time in almost two years, jump around happening at Camp Randall, which um multiple times has made the building itself shake. Like the foundations of the stadium itself start to shake a little bit when jump around is happening because uh, that's a whole lot of people jumping and screaming. Like Camp Randall stadium. Let's, uh, what's, 
Their listing capacity is even higher than Lane's. 80,321. And the place was packed out this weekend. 80,000 people jumping up and down in place and screaming at the top of their lungs. Like, that's, uh, that's one way to make a building shake. And my God, that video was good to watch. And then, like at the exact opposite end of the spectrum, you had the you you had the Iowa wave, which is like the most wholesome thing in college football, which is not the most wholesome sport on the planet, not even close. Like you have the Iowa wave, and then you have jump around, which is somewhere in the middle because jump around's a pretty innocuous song. It, it's a party song. But then you have Enter Sandman, which some people have called straight-up satanic. I don't think it is, but it certainly conjures those vibes. <laughs> like That is the spectrum that is college football, and I love it. Like, just look, if you don't know them, just look up the lyrics to Enter Sandman and compare that to what the Iowa wave is, which is, you know, I think it's like 60 some thousand people waving to like terminally, terminally ill and otherwise ridiculously sick children inside Iowa children's hospital who are trying to watch the game. Like, because the, the hospital itself is right behind the stadium and has a actually very good view of Kinnick Stadium. Like ESPN has put cameras up there. That is a... Like, that building has an incredible view of Kinnick Stadium. Which is, is how the tradition was born. Because it has such a good view, you can actually see all the people waving. Like, it it's one of my favorite traditions in college football. Like, I love it. But, like, that is the spectrum that college football exists on. You also had you also had stuff like uh, the Oklahoma-Tulane game. Like, that was supposed to be at Tulane. And for those who don't know, Tulane University is in New Orleans. So, um, couldn't exactly play that game at home. So, they moved it to, uh, they moved it to Norman. I think o- OU is in Norman. I always, I always get them mixed up because I know one's in Norman, one's in Stillwater. Oh, yeah, it's in Norman because, yeah, Boone Pickett Stadium is Oklahoma State. So, yeah, it's in Norman. They, they moved the game to Norman, but the field was completely covered in Tulane colors and uh, everyone cheered them when they came out and booed the Sooners. And I'm guessing... Well, the sooner the sooner schooner got retired because it, it crashed too many times and it was considered bad luck. But uh Oklahoma still won that game, but um it was not very convincing. Like at all. <laughs> they only won by five. In a game they were favored by thirty-two. Uh they should have won that game. They should have won that game handily. Uh, Spencer Radler played like steaming hot garbage. He had one of... He uh, he has a tendency to uh, 
overestimate his abilities? He threw two interceptions. His actual raw numbers weren't terrible, but he had two interceptions. Tulane's quarterback had none. Like, that's a... uh, And their passer ratings were only slightly different. Radler had a 140.6. Michael Pratt, Tulane's quarterback, had a 140.4. Like, Tulane was in this game the whole way. And... Like... Just look at that fourth quarter. 13 to nothing in the fourth quarter for, uh, for, uh, Tulane there. And, uh, Ooh, no second half touchdowns for Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, you guys. Okay. Cause you're number two in the country. You should be, you're, you're the second ranked team coming into this game. You, um, and your quarterback, is in the Heisman conversation. He was last year, too. I feel like um, he should be a little bit better than this. But that's just me. Uh, I've seen the reactions of a few Oklahoma fans online. I know they're taking this so well. Let me, let me see if I can find it, because I, I need to read this. It was amazing. Let's see if I can actually find... The post. Because it was pure gold. These these guys took this loss so well. It, I remember some of it saying, like, here it is. Just found it. I don't care. Tulane won this game. This is a fucking joke. I don't care that we won. The quarterback play was shit. Almost blew another fucking lead in all caps. A 23-point fucking lead to a fucking mid-major. In all, The rest of this post is just in all caps. Linking Riley, you should be ashamed of yourself. Now our defense will take heat because of your effing conservative fucking fuck play calling. <laughs> yeah, this, shout out to this dude. Uh, the ghost of TK9 on Reddit. Shout out to this guy. Um, This is one of the funniest post loss college football posts I've ever read. (laughs) Uh, Cost us a national championship four years ago. No, in 2017, no. You you guys were not winning a national championship. I'm sorry, you, you weren't. You weren't winning a national championship back then. I remember that game. You got blown the hell out of the water. Like, you, uh, no, but that was a, uh, that was, that was an incredible read that, that felt, that felt great. God, that felt great to read. Okay. That, that was fun. That was a fun read, but yeah, Oklahoma fans are taking this loss very well. Uh, they're going to drop from the number two spot. Once the poll comes out, there's as you know, I record this show on Monday afternoon and there is another game tonight because it's week one and it's Labor Day. So, uh, the new poll has not come out yet. But, uh, yeah, like Louisville and Ole Miss are playing tonight. So, the, uh, the new poll has yet to come out. I don't see how these two are getting in it. But, hey, you never know. A bunch of ranked teams lost. Or played very poorly. So there's 
there's going to be some shuffling. If, uh, transition to me being biased again. If, if Liberty's not in the AP poll this week, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'll get back to Liberty in a second, but, uh, like, look at all the ranked teams that either lost or played like hot garbage. Like, North Carolina lost. Oklahoma probably should have. Indiana only managed six points against Iowa. They're probably, if nothing else, they're going to drop down from 17. Uh, Miami's going to drop because they lost so bad. Iowa State only beat Northern Iowa by six. They're going to drop. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette might drop out because they're 23 and they lost by 20. Uh, Clemson's dropping out of the top five, at least possibly dropping out of the top 10 and uh, Washington's dropping out of the poll. Washington and LSU are probably both dropping out of the poll completely because Washington should have won that game. How do you only manage seven points against an FCS school when you were a member of the PAC 12 I know the Pac-12 is kind of down overall. I I say that as I'm about to compliment UCLA. But the Pac-12 was pretty freaking bad last year, if you recall. The Pac-12 was was pretty terrible, and uh, the exclusively empty stadiums did not help. The the Pac-12 was really, really bad last year. But 20th ranked Washington at home... First time with fans in your building in almost two years. Um, you should be able to beat Washington, Montana. The last time Montana was good was when they beat North Dakota State. That was in 2015. It's been six years. And even then, that 2015 team wasn't actually that good. Two weeks later, they lost to Liberty. I was there. I remember. That game was awesome. But Washington is absolutely dropping out of the poll. If they don't, I will be shocked. Uh, UCLA is going to at least drop into the bottom five because, like, Coach O was talking massive amounts of shit about UCLA's blue, like UCLA's shade of blue, called it sissy blue. And um, they went they went and changed their, uh, their Twitter banner <laughs> to a... Uh, to a UCLA t-shirt that says sissy blue. And, uh, my God, it's incredible. Oh, of course, of course there are, uh, of course there's shirts. UCLA Barstool does, does have a shirt. That's, um, that's amazing. That's, that's amazing. That's all I can say. Like Coach O talks shit about UCLA's blue. I, Their blue's not even that light. There are lighter blues in college athletics. Like, North Carolina is several shades lighter than UCLA. But Coach O talks shit. Now it's a shirt. Now it's immortalized as a shirt. And um, I think we need to have a conversation about LSU at this point. Now, they played like garbage. They could be better. It could be because UCLA is actually going to be pretty good this year, which is a very real possibility. Like they've clearly got talent. Don't get me wrong. But going in, everyone expected LSU to win that game, including me. So LSU, you guys okay? I asked the same question to Oklahoma and I want to ask the same question to Clemson because 
all of you guys were supposed to be at least somewhat good this year. Um, two of you are in the top three. How did um, how did you manage so few points between the two of you? They what managed? Uh, they managed thirty points between the two of them. Uh, twenty seven of those belong to LSU, by the way. Uh, Clemson, high powered offense. Clemson only scored um, only scored three points. They uh, they also got. They also got shut out for the entire first half. They they kicked a field goal in the fourth quarter. That was uh that was it. Uh DJ Ukulele, I'm sorry if I'm botching his name, but that's the uh that's the name of that's the pronunciation I'm going with. Had a very bad game. Uh JT Daniels didn't do much better. It was uh it was not a very high scoring affair. The only touchdown in the game was defensive. Not a very high-scoring affair, which is not what I expect from two top five teams playing each other in college football. Like, generally, good teams don't really have that much of a defense. Well, they have a defense, they just can't do anything about each other. And score totals will still get well into the 50s and 60s. Uh, So... To the, like, three people who bet the under on that game, congratulations. Um, I'm sure you're enjoying the insane amount of money you made. <laughs> but to, to the, like, two absolute degenerates who had the balls to bet the under on that game, uh, congratulations. I hope you won several thousand dollars on that bet because that's what you deserve for having the stones to take the under in Clemson, Georgia. But uh, one more one more game before I get into my biases. The Sunday night game at Doak Campbell Stadium, FSU, Notre Dame. The, the tribute to Coach Bobby Bowden game. Mackenzie Milton coming back from a horrific injury and leading an insane comeback against the top 10 team. Florida State should have won. Like the, the football gods only the football gods didn't do enough with that one. Like Florida state should have won that game. Way way to go and ruin the story, Brian. And also quote another coach and say something about your players needing to be executed. And the quote just didn't land at all and sent Twitter into a freaking hissy fit. Hey, that, that quote didn't land at all. Don't get me wrong. He he probably should have chosen his words more carefully, especially when he's Brian Kelly and people already don't like him. But FSU should have won that game. Hey, it's Bobby Bowden tribute night. You have Mackenzie Milton come back from a horrific injury. Hey, FSU should have won. You have the big drive to kick the field goal and force overtime. Like FSU should have won that game. That was, that was the right outcome. Like get the TVA in here. Something went wrong. Florida state should have won that game, but they didn't. And now everyone's going to think Notre Dame is better than they actually are. I mean, they were, they beat Clemson last year, but they beat a Trevor Lawrence less Clemson. 
could they beat Clemson this year? I mean, if they play like they did against Georgia, probably. Like, Clemson might not make the playoff this year. They might not even make the ACC championship game, depending on how other things shake out in their division. Which would be insane. How long has it been since Clemson missed the ACC championship game? It feels like it's been a while. Like, I think you'd have to go back to before Taj Boyd that Clemson did not make the ACC championship game. Because think about it. They had Taj Boyd immediately into Deshaun Watson and then Trevor Lawrence. It's been a long time since they missed the ACC championship game. But it's time for my biased opinions once again. You heard the song at the beginning of the show. You knew this was coming. Malik Willis for Heisman. I'm saying it. I am declaring it right now at 6.16 p.m. on September 6th, 2021. Malik Willis for Heisman. Now, did the team he played against on Saturday offer any level of competition? Absolutely not. Not even close. The Campbell Camels are members of the Pioneer Football League, which is a Division I conference for non-scholarship football, which effectively makes them a Division Three league that claims to be Division I. Uh, the... Let's just break down some of the, the gambling stats. The line for this game opened at Liberty minus 22 and a half. People hammered that line so hard, it moved to Liberty minus 35. That absolutely batshit line still was the right play. Liberty won this game 48 to 7. Malik Willis did not play the fourth quarter really at all. And I'm still saying Malik Willis for Heisman. Because, my God, did that man have a good game. His first pass was, his first passing attempt of the game was an absolute dime to Demario Douglas, who was wide open. Like, absolutely, I mean, again, Campbell's defense sucks ass, but... Demario Douglas was wide open and he just hit him in stride. And the second quarter was a little rough. Don't get me wrong. Second quarter was a little rough for Liberty. They actually allowed points. But hey, you play who's in front of you. And if you're this much better than them, you got to win by 41 and, and run up the score a little bit. I, I, it's it's a tradition at Liberty for uh, for male cheerleaders to do to, to do push-ups after every Liberty scoring play for the number of points Liberty has scored. Um, I felt bad for those poor guys who uh, had to do a crap ton of push-ups because you don't do new ones every time they score. Like it is seven, fourteen, twenty-one. Or it would be 7, 14, 20, 27, 34, 41, 48. That is a lot of push-ups. <laughs> like, a lot of push-ups. And, yeah, Malik Willis for Heisman. I'm, I'm declaring it right here, right now. They have a, Liberty has a few games on their schedule that... 
will hopefully make him much more deserving. Eight games at Syracuse. Louisiana later in November. That's a home game. Old Miss. And those are the three hardest games on the schedule. Like <laughs> Liberty's three hardest games are right in a row with each other. At Ole Miss, home against Louisiana, home against West Point. Those are their three November games. So, uh, Liberty fans, I hope we can all enjoy the next uh, seven weeks of relatively easy games. North Texas will be a fun challenge. Louisiana Monroe will be okay. Cuse will be okay because it's a road game. But they're they're going to be 4-0 coming out of September. They will... It could very well be 9-0 coming out of October. Like, this is a very good team. Malik Willis for Heisman. Go Flames. But my uh, my biases aside, it was a very fun weekend of college football. Uh, shout out to Alan York and the journey for having an app that actually works. Uh, I know that's not Alan York's doing. He's just really good at doing com- radio commentary. But shout out to The Journey for having a phone app that works no matter where you are in the country. And uh, shout out to Alan York and the rest of the radio crew for having an awesome call that uh, I could listen to while I was closing closing up the store on Saturday. Uh, shout out to you guys. You guys are awesome. And uh, up next, we'll get into some scattered Call of Duty news between both the CDL and Vanguard. Coming up next, here on The Mashup. <laughs> So for the first time since the end of the season, there's not that much CDL news to talk about. Um, There's been a few leaked rosters, but they haven't been confirmed yet. Uh, Some of those leaked rosters are very good, but I will wait until they're officially confirmed. Because one of those leaked rosters is LA Thieves, and it's really good. So I don't want to jinx it by talking too much more about it on the show. So uh, we'll talk about the other LA team who has actually confirmed their new roster and it has been league approved. Like the CDL tweeted this. So this, this team is official. They are, they are signed to the LA gorillas and approved by the CDL. Um, let's just say this team should be top five if they play to their potential and uh, the curse of Cronky stupidity doesn't affect them like it has in the past. Cause uh, if I recall last se- the 2020 seasons, LAG were supposed to be pretty good too. And um, well, they weren't, they were actually pretty bad, but the video is cool. And they've, they've got a decent team slasher hook, a and gunless. That's a really good team. That is a really good four-man squad. Like, it is a really good four-man squad. They should be top five. On paper, anyway. Because there's a very real possibility that whatever curse afflicts teams owned by Stan Kroenke, that uh, they won't play to their potential. Ask any, don't talk to Rams fans, at least not the ones from St. Louis, because um, they'll just try to kill you for mentioning his name. Maybe same thing with Arsenal fans, because uh, they really seem to hate him too. 
The LA Gladiators are okay, but the LA Gorillas have, have not been very good. Like, at all. For most of their existence. They were better in 2020 than they were in 2021, but, uh... That's not saying much. It's hard to be worse than the 2021 LA Gorillas unless you're, you know, Seattle Surge or Paris Legion or heck, even London. But that that's the new roster. Um, I think I think Slasher and Hook will play much better together in this kind of system than what they did in LA Thieves. And I get the distinct feeling, maybe since they're playing together again, um, that Slasher wasn't the guy Hook had a problem with in L.A. Thieves. It was probably Kenny. Maybe Draza. Like, the guys who have... Maybe it was... It could have been Kenny, the guy who has, like, actual, like, earned leadership equity with that team. Just, just Just a thought. But, hey, I think they'll be pretty good. They'll definitely be better than last year. Like, that's... There's no question in my mind. LA Gorillas will be better than they were this past season. It's... Like I said, it's hard to be worse. Unless... Unless you're Seattle. Then it's then it's much, much easier to be worse. God only knows what Seattle's roster is going to look like. Because uh, Octane kind of blew up how awful they are. Even though... I don't think it was much of a secret... <laughs> And apparently Paris is sticking around for this coming season. Like, there's still going to be Paris Legion. Like, Cloud9's not buying that franchise. They're buying the Chicago franchise and moving them to Vegas. I mean, that's all unconfirmed. Like, that is, that's just rumors I've been seeing. But I felt the need to talk about it because, one, a CDL team based out of Vegas would be freaking awesome. Two... A CDL team based out of Vegas that is owned by Cloud9? The meme org? Would be even more awesome. Cloud9 are a meme factory org and everyone knows it. They they also played very good villains, but... I don't know if you could play villains coming out of Vegas. I think the Raiders, the Raiders are... Uh, I, th- I think the Raiders are going to try. But... I don't know how good they're going to be at it because... I mean, Vegas, like, Vegas is a city that no one hates, except people from Vegas. They, they are the only people who hate Las Vegas, or the people who actually live there. Because most people who go to Las Vegas don't see the real Las Vegas. You just see, you just see the touristy parts. You just see the Strip, and I think it's called Fremont Street. Like, you just see that. And there is a tourist bus that takes you between the two of them because it is not safe to walk there. Like, I, I want to go to Vegas. I would love to go to Vegas, but I am not leaving the Strip. And the Strip is only two blocks, but there's plenty to do in those two blocks. But yeah, I, I don't know how well the Raiders are going to be able to portray themselves as villains. I don't know how this rumored CDL team are going to portray themselves as villains being, you know, from Vegas and more than likely wearing blue and white. But Hey, we'll see. I think, uh, 
I think having a team in Vegas would be a very good thing because one, there's an esports stadium in Vegas and it's absolutely freaking massive. Two, I want to have an excuse to go to Vegas. Like going to Vegas to cover a CDL event, but also spending an entire weekend in Vegas. Because let's be honest, like a CDL event's only a couple hours long. They're long. But they're not Vegas long. You could still have fun in Vegas after you're done at a CDL event. For several more hours. Especially because in local time they would end at like 6 o'clock. So uh, yeah, I, I want there to be a CDL team in Vegas. That would be so much fun. But uh, there's, there's some other news on the actual front of the game itself uh the multiplayer reveal if you're listening to this show the day it comes out is coming out later today 1 p.m eastern time like that's uh that's uh just that's about 13 hours after this episode's gonna release so uh i'm very excited for that I'm, I think I'll be at work, which is slightly annoying, but I'll uh, I'll be able to watch it later. And believe me, I will, and you'll hear my opinions on it next week. But some of the stuff I am excited about, some of the other stuff I'm not too excited about. Because Tom Henderson, the never-ending source of information that he is, uh, some of it not always, you know, accurate but he tries. So let's, uh, let's start with, let's start with the things I don't like. Um, no FOV slider on console. That was one of cold wars best features. I don't know why they're not bringing it back. That's, that's one thing. Um, scrolling through his, I'm just scrolling through his Twitter feed here. Oh, here, here's the one I really hate. This is actually from MW2Ghost, who is also a pretty reliable source of information. This is his exact tweet. I've been told there's a perk in Vanguard called Radar. Enemies appear on the minimap if they fire an unsilenced weapon. Um, That has been a feature of Call of Duty since Modern Warfare OG. Like, Modern Warfare 07, Call of Duty 4. That has been a feature in Call of Duty games for almost 15 years that if you don't slap a silencer on your gun, people are going to be able to see where you are. Now you need a perk to get that feature? Stop with the noob catering bullshit and just make them slap a silencer on their damn gun. We've all done it. You either you either take the risk and don't put a silencer on your gun or you be intelligent and put a silencer on your gun. Why do we... Why do I need a perk to be able to hear an unsilenced weapon? Because that's what them popping up on the minimap is, is you can hear their gun going off. That's why it does that. That's that's the other thing. Um, all the other perks, it, it's perk two, according to his tweet. Um, most of the other perks in perk two all suck. Uh, high alert, forward intel, engineer, radar, and tracker. Now, if they bring back perk greed or something similar, or Lawbreaker, or something similar, 
which um, overkill is usually perk too. I'm not seeing it here. If they uh, if they bring back something akin to Lawbreaker or or even worse, Perk Greed, where you get two perks from every perk tree, everyone's going to be running Radar and Tracker. Everyone. Well, mostly the noobs are going to be running Radar and Tracker. And it's going to suck. It's going to absolutely suck. Um, Sledgehammer, what the frick? Just, just why? Just why does that exist? And a three-second spawn delay in all 6v6 modes? Like, sure, maybe it'll give you better spawns, but that's going to nerf the hell out of lethal killstreaks, which uh, also sucks out a good chunk of the fun. So hopefully, um, hopefully none of this is true or they take it all out because Radar is a dumb, dumb perk. Like, because if you take it out, no one's going to be upset other than the noobs. Stop catering to the noobs, Call of Duty. I tell it to wrestling promotions all the time. I tell it to, and any kind of, any kind of creative, like when you're dealing with wrestling or movies or TV, don't, don't market to the fans you want. Don't market to casuals. It's a bad idea. I, I said the same thing about baseball. Stop marketing to casuals. They are just that casuals they're not going to spend money they're not going to spend a lot of money anyway don't market to casuals market to your actual base create for the audience you have not the audience you want because if you create for the audience you want it just pisses off the audience you have more often than not so hopefully all of this either gets removed or just isn't true because the leakers haven't had a great track record the past couple months. Remember when it was supposed to be alternate history? I mean, which could still be a thing because we don't know that much about the campaign. I mean, we're seeing Stalingrad and D-Day, but those could both be pretty freaking early in the campaign and the rest of it is is the post-war Nazi hunting, which is what I was most intrigued by. But hey, the three maps that are going to be in the beta... Hotel Royal is a night map, which sounds... It's not like a night map night map like they had in MW. But it's... According to Tom, Hotel Royal is not a night map in the sense you have night vision. It's just set at night and everything is illuminated by air raid lights, fire, etc. It looks pretty cool. Okay, that sounds like a fun space to have World War II style combat. Uh, Gavital, Teal Blue Ocean, and Palm Trees. So, um, that tells me there's color. And then Red Star is just a snow map. So it's basically just another, um, another inferior summit. Because Call of Duty's just been trying to recreate the magic of Summit for years. Including just remaking Summit a few times. And more often than not, it's failed. Because you get crap like Yamantau in Cold War. And don't tell me different. That map sucks. But hey, map diversity in the beta, I'm cool with that. Hopefully they'll fix some of that other shit. Like, I really hope that radar perk isn't real. Like, that will straight up ruin the game. Like, that will... 
that will literally ruin the game. 100%. I really don't want it to be real. At all. But hey, what can you do? Hopefully, uh, hopefully Activision will eventually learn their lesson and stop catering to the damn noobs. And actually make a game for the rest of us who really like Call of Duty and stop catering to the freaking BR kids who just want, who just want to style on people because their guns are broken and, and they could hear them coming from 20, from 200 yards off. If you couldn't tell, I really don't like this, but Hey, that's what I got for uh, news on the Call of Duty front. Up next, uh, there's a few other gaming stories to get into, and then we'll wrap up the show. That's all up next, here on The Mashup. Alright, so um, we already thought the Optic Envy merger that was rumored with turning the Dallas Empire into Optic Dallas. Like, And there's a shirt floating around out there. It's an Optic shirt that said, Empires are built brick by brick. Um, Interesting choice of words there, guys. Just, just an interesting choice of words there. But now, esports slash gaming hell has frozen over even more in the past week. So we get stuff like on the on the same day, we get the announcement of a merch collab and more coming from Optic and Phase with like the most hideous logo I've ever seen, and that's the sad part. Both Optic and Phase's logos are good. But if you mash them up, it looks like garbage. It's just the F of Phase Clan sticking through the Optic O. It looks terrible. That's the logo of the collab. And none of the merch they teased in the announcement video has that logo on it. It's the two logos split. Or half and half. Like there's one where it's a it's a baseball jersey that actually looks halfway decent where it's where it's half phase, half optic, like left side's phase, right side's optic. The logo's split down the middle. You have the right, you have the left side of the F and the right side of the O and the G. Not, not like this weird mashup thing right in the center. Because uh, again, it looks awful. There was one shirt I saw in the tees that was pretty cool. It was just a black t-shirt and it had two dog tags hanging from it. One had the phase logo, one had the optic logo. And it looked good because both admittedly very good logos were kept separate from each other. Or there was there was a controller that was split down the middle with like red detailing and phase logo, the phase logo on one side, green detailing and the optic logo on the other, a full table sized mouse pad with basically the same exact idea, just over a wider surface area, because it's a a rather it's a large mouse pad rather than just a regular sized controller. But for as much as the logo sucks, a lot of the merch looks pretty good. I don't like the baseball jersey. The baseball jersey is trash. But some of the other stuff is really good. Like the mouse pad, the controller, and the dog tag t-shirt, I actually really liked all of them. A lot. Like I really liked a lot of that other stuff. But still, it just feels weird to see their logos together on product literally anywhere like at all like that's like saying that's like having a half and half raven steelers jersey 
At least that's what it feels like. Like, it just feels wrong in a way. I don't know why, but it, I mean, I do know why they're, they're rivals from the day both, both teams were born. They've been rivals from the very beginning. But hey, it's going to make them a crap ton of money. It's going to make both orgs a crap ton of money. Because this stuff is going to sell, and it is going to sell quickly. And a lot of it. Because a lot of it does look pretty cool. It's just a matter of, uh, what else are they going to do? Because it says merch collab and more coming soon, phaseclan.com. Are they going to do content together? That's going to feel even weirder, because... I mean, sure, they make, they started out making the same type of type of content but I don't know it just feels weird because they're supposed to hate each other but hey I, I don't make the business decisions that's why that's why I'm in the position I'm in not running a massive esports org but there was bigger news that happened last week that kind of uh, it kind of overshadowed the Optic Phase Collab, because on the same day the Optic Phase Collab is announced, Dr. Lupo, of all people, just drops the massive bombshell that he's leaving Twitch and signed an exclusive deal with YouTube. Of all the big streamers on Twitch, did not expect him to be one of them. I really didn't. Because he was one of the guys who... Uh, he was one of the guys who was one of the first to sign a big deal with Twitch. It was him, Tim, and Lyric all signed at the same time because they have the same agent. But him, Tim, and Lyric all signed at the same time. A day apart, him and Tim both go to YouTube. I don't, I honestly don't think Nick Merckx is too far behind them because his Twitch exclusive contract was actually first. Like, go back. Go back. Nick Merck signed with Twitch before Tim and Lupo did. Like, that was that was Twitch's first big splash. It was Ninja to Mixer. A couple weeks later, it was Shroud to Mixer. Then it was like, Twitch was like, okay, we need to do something. Nick Merck's to Twitch. Courage to YouTube. Tim Lupo and Lyric to Twitch, Valkyrie to YouTube. That was the timeline a few years ago, if I recall. And now, we think, and and then not long after that, you had Dr. Disrespect to Twitch. And uh, we all know how that ended. But he was one of the first guys, like, Lupo is the first guy to sign two separate exclusive streaming deals all on his own with, with no outside factors involved. Cause obviously you had, obviously you had Ninja and Shroud coming back to Twitch after leaving Mixer, but they only came back because Mixer shut down and Facebook bought them out of their contracts with Mixer, which um, they both got paid. They both got a lot of money, like a lot of money from that. They both got eight figures each. 
I think Ninja got 30 million. Shroud got 10 just right up front, which is absolutely insane. Cause and I don't blame him for not wanting to stream on Facebook, but, and then Ninja and Shroud both went back to switch and Twitch has changed since then. Like Ninja's not as big as he used to be on Twitch. He really isn't. He's still Ninja. Like dude's still loaded. He still probably got the bag from Twitch when he came back. Maybe not as much as Mixer gave him, but he still probably got a several million dollars. But Dr. Lupo is the first guy to sign two separate exclusive streaming deals with no external factors. Because Shroud and Ninja both came back to Twitch because Mixer shut down. Dr. Disrespect went to YouTube because Twitch perma-banned him out of nowhere, and now he's suing them. Which, um, it's not looking good for Twitch right now. Had uh, an attempt at a site-wide boycott that didn't really work. Two of the biggest streamers on the platform just left the platform, and a third probably isn't too far behind, because I legitimately think sometime this le- this week, we'll get that announcement from Nick Merckx that he... He signed an exclusive deal with YouTube too. Like I could see it. And depending on how this Dr. Disrespect court case goes, Amazon could just end up either pulling the plug on Twitch, which I don't think they they'll do. I think they'll just sell it. Like imagine if Amazon sells Twitch to YouTube or Google. Imagine if Amazon just gives up and sells Twitch to, to Google. Like, does all of just Twitch's proprietary stuff go into YouTube streaming and they shut Twitch the website down? That's what I would do. Like, if you're if you're Google, and as far as the live streaming video game space goes, you have just bought your biggest and basically only competition. What do you do? Do you keep them up and running? I don't. No, you take all their proprietary technology and really their entire user base and bring them back to YouTube. You fix your streaming UI. You get the entire community instead of just bits and pieces because in platform switches, you sometimes lose people. I don't know about Tim and Lupo because they've cultivated a pretty good YouTube audience. I'm sure they'll be fine. And Tim's first stream on YouTube absolutely popped off. I'm pretty sure he's still live right now. Let's uh, let's just take a quick look at. Uh, okay, he is he is in fact live. Uh, let let's just see what his view count is at right now. Yeah, 37k. That's that's pretty close to about what he averaged on Twitch. I mean, it's not his uh, and the vods. The actual VODs, because that's what's on his main channel now, is just his VODs. Uh, let's see. That first stream is up to 2.1 million views. Um, stream from Friday is up to 1.3. And he has uh, 3.6K concurrent. What were his... Let's just see. Let's just see what his... Uh... Tim the Tapman average viewers. Yeah. 34,634. That was his, uh, that was his average on Twitch. That's, 
That's right. That's right around what he's getting on YouTube right now. So he's lost nothing. He's getting the same. He's pulling. He's the first guy to switch platforms and pull the same number consistently. Because I think Doc dropped off a little bit. Uh, Valkyrie actually went up. She she blew up on Twitch. But Courage has dropped a little bit. Obviously, Shroud Ninja dropped hard when they went to Mixer because Mixer didn't have any viewers. Like Mixer didn't have a viewer base, so uh, there goes like that was never gonna work. But yeah, Tim's two stream vods from last Thursday and last Friday. Both over a million views. One of them over two million. And he even said he's going to keep these VODs up permanently, which is a which is a really good YouTube feature, by the way, that Twitch does not have. Because even when you're partnered, your VODs don't stay up forever on Twitch. They stay up for a month. That's it. Like, like right now, mine stay up for two weeks. When I get part, if I ever make partner, they'll stay up for a month. So he's lost literally nothing. He's still getting the same average views. He's, as far as I know, he's been getting like members, the the YouTube version of subscribers on Twitch, just coming in like crazy because it's the, the paid one. He already had a few million subs on his, on his main channel on YouTube anyway. Like that's the thing about going to YouTube. A lot of times... People already have, people already have, uh, these big streamers already have YouTube bases built up. It's not like they're going to a completely new untapped platform like Ninja and Shroud did with Mixer. But, like, don't get me wrong, a lot of this information is just me speculating, it's conjecture, and a lot of it is pulled from, uh, a a YouTube video by Harris Heller, who makes awesome stuff. If you want to get into streaming, go watch his stuff. He has great advice. I I watch his stuff frequently. Uh, he's got advice. He's got tech reviews. Go check out his channel. He's awesome. He doesn't need the plug from me, but I want to give it anyway, because I'm using information from his video. But like he said, it's time to start worrying about Twitch because if they keep losing money, Jeff Bezos did not become rich by throwing it, throwing money at things that were not making him more money. Amazon is probably going to either pull the plug on Twitch, which I think is unlikely. I think they want to get something out of it. Like, I think they're going to sell it. And unless one, if, if Tencent buys it, I'm out. I'm, I'm done with Twitch. Like if, I know I play Riot games and I still have two of them installed. I actually, I have three. I have Legends of Runeterra and TFT. I have, well, TFT is part of the League client. I, I have three Riot games installed on my computer. I know that. But, like, if Tencent were to buy Twitch, that would just feel gross. Like, I'm, I'm done. Amazon, please don't sell Twitch to Tencent. Actually, I think they might already own their own. So that's fine. But please don't sell Twitch to Tencent. I, I want them to sell Riot. I want them to sell Riot back to an American company. Or just sell Riot off and let it be independent again. That'll never happen. That's that's a completely different conversation. But how many real buyers are out there for, for Twitch? Google and Facebook. That's it. Microsoft's not going to get back in. 
because Mixer completely failed. Microsoft's not going to get back in and buy Twitch. They lost a lot of money in that space. I think Google's going to do it. And they're just going to, they're just going to boom, integrate the two sites. Which, um, honestly, as a streamer and as a viewer, that would not be a terrible thing. Imagine that. Imagine Twitch's UI, which is the better UI still. And all of Twitch's features. All of Twitch's good features. Emotes, rating, hosting. All of Twitch's, like, really good, really unique features. Heck, bits. All of Twitch's really good, really unique features. Boom. On YouTube's much larger... With YouTube's much larger user base, better discoverability, and all around, I hate to say this, better management. Because YouTube has its own problems, don't get me wrong. But... Right now, YouTube is better run than Twitch is. And if you just take all of Twitch's good features and slap them on slap them on the YouTube streaming side, you'd have the perfect streaming platform. You'd literally have the perfect streaming platform because you'd have better discoverability because you'd have short-form and long-form content. Like the streams and VODs and edited videos... YouTube has said they're working on features to make discovering new streamers easier, which would be insane because discoverability sucks on Twitch. Just, and like a better UI because watching streams on YouTube kind of sucks. Like watching streams on like a desktop computer on YouTube, not the YouTube app because it's not much different, but like watching a stream on YouTube absolutely sucks it's not very good like i'm gonna pull tim's stream up right now like the chat window over here is is terrible the the chat window over on the right side of the stream window it's really small it's it's hard to read it's not super hard to read but like he, Tim has custom emotes, but not many other people do. The chat window is, like I said, ridiculously small. And sure, you can rewind a lot easier, but overall, the UI kind of sucks. Imagine Twitch's much more improved one on YouTube's platform. Like I said, perfect streaming platform. But hey, that's, that's probably still a year or two off, honestly. Unless... This lawsuit between, really, let, let's call it what it is, Guy Beam and Amazon. Unless that goes horribly, horribly wrong for Amazon, Twitch has another year. Maybe two. Because if they keep hemorrhaging money, eventually Amazon's going to back out and sell or just completely pull the plug. I hope they don't just completely pull the plug and we get another mixer situation where everyone's just screwed. Like, that would be terrible. Like, sure, the big guys at the top would be fine. Nick, Cloaksy, Symphony, Brooke, Nateshot. Like, all the scump, formal, all the guys at the top, they would be fine. I'd be concerned for, like, my friends. Like, my actual Twitch friends. I'd be concerned for them. I'd obviously be concerned for me because I wouldn't have a platform to stream anymore. I'd have to start over on YouTube. Like, 
would that would be bad. That would be really, really bad. If if they just completely pull the plug. Best case scenario, if Twitch doesn't just improve on their own, which I don't think they will, because Amazon's not gonna want to throw money at this. The best case scenario is Google buys them and just merge the two streaming platforms into one. Like make a separate YouTube, like turn Twitch into YouTube Live or something. Actually, no, that would suck. Just keep it on main YouTube. Like, that's how you do it. It's the only way to do it. If they if they were to add, if YouTube were to add gifted memberships, a lot of streamers switch. At least in my opinion. But hey, that's what I got for uh, this episode. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoyed the rest of your week. Hope you enjoy college football this coming weekend or whatever else you're going to watch this coming weekend and the rest of the week. Talk to you guys later. See you on Tuesday. Adios. Slice and burn, return, listen to yourself churn Clock in